HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Jewel by Chef Steps is a proud sponsor of Beer Sessions Radio. Jewel sous vide is the future of the kitchen. Jewel, perfect food every time. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat in 3, our weekly food news roundup. Fall is finally here, so it's time to get funky and devote an episode to some of our favorite spunky microbes. Fungi just provide this beautiful, whimsical lens on how the world works. They have so many roles. They're this strange and magical-seeming group of organisms, but they've got it all figured out. Should you eat the cheese rind? Can you eat the rind? These are like the biggest questions. We'll answer all of your questions about mysterious mushrooms and crazy curds. Plus, we'll give you a sneak listen to the newest season of Modernist Breadcrumbs. So tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, it's October 30th, 2018. It's almost Halloween. We've got a special show tonight here on the Heritage Radio Network. Our good friend, Miguel Rivas, uh, the beer tracker. How are you, Miguel? Hey, Jimmy. Nice to see you. You know, we did some great things together two years ago. We went on the road upstate and visited a bunch of great breweries. And um, this summer, you were traveling in 11 countries in Europe and you inspired this show. So we want to talk a little bit about some of the places that you went. And we brought in a great collection of uh, European beer importers. So we have guys go around the room and introduce yourself, some of my favorite people. I'm Joel Shelton, one of the Shelton bros. Ooh. Uh, my name is Lars Dahlhaus. been importing uh, beer for 15 years, different capacities, my new company, Liquid Projects. And uh, we help consult uh, breweries from all over the world on how to come and if to come to the U.S. And you've brought some great stuff in right now. You particularly have some stuff from Ireland and Germany. Exactly, yeah. Some some Irish stuff, English stuff, um, different German beers uh, that you wouldn't expect. And, uh, yeah, we've got a whole collection here. So we're going to taste a lot of beers beer today. We're going to go crazy. And it just was Miguel's birthday. So, Miguel, it's your birthday party, too. Yeah. But as the beer tracker, you know, we, we really respect what you've done. And um, our other special guest who is 
almost a co-host because you've been on more than almost any other guest. At this point, yeah. BR Rolio with Shelton Brothers. I work with Joel here. You're, you're our ace in the hole. You know you're going to help cover the show for us. But um, So the state of European beer, what's new in Europe? Um, you know, you guys, let's talk about it. I mean, so much has happened in American craft beer. But for me, you know, 20 years ago, I only drank European beer. I, I drank great beer, Trappist beers from Belgium. I drank, you know, traditional German beers. You know, I can think of how many Oktoberfests I had strong Aventinus uh, until it was coming out of my ears. Um, you know, and then everything happened with American craft beer, and all the young guys think that beer is IPAs. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, for you guys, European beer. And you guys are from, you know, Lars, you're from Germany. Joel and BR, you guys have been importing beer for a long time. Let's just what, sum up, you know, what, what's the state of European beer right now? Well, a lot of Europeans are following the American lead. As you said, people drink IPA here. A lot of people are trying to make IPA in Europe with mixed results, I would say. And now even up to the DIPA and the cloudy stuff. I was just in Spain. I just got back yesterday. And it, uh, in Barcelona, that's the main thing they drink, apparently, the craft guys, is uh, DIPAs, the cloudy stuff. So I don't find that so exciting personally. But um, in Spain, they're going to be following the craft beer trends. In places like Germany that Lars uh, knows about, uh, there are some new things happening. But it's still a great traditional beer place. So I don't think we want to forget about that. And that's what I go back to when I really want what you know brings me back to why I first drank beer. Um, okay, I, I go. So, from my point of view, being involved mostly started, with, with with German breweries is um, I help them, and what I try to do here is bring benchmark products over stuff that's unique, that's craft brewed, but that's not made by the mass mass breweries from Germany, you know, bring over a, a Hefeweizen from brewery that does 20,000 hectoliters and not a brewery that does millions. And, you know, you, you, you feel the, the artisanship, the, the craftsmanship in those beers much more. Um, it's harder to establish those brands over here. Nobody knows about them. So you, you try to sell them over quality. And, and it is possible. There are people out there that look for those beers. Uh, I'm also not a huge fan of bringing over IPAs from Germany. And Germany in particular is... Um, um, you know that because Germany still has a big density of breweries. There's still almost uh, what 1,500 breweries there. There's not a shortage of brewery anywhere. Um, and even friends of mine in my age in Germany, they they don't all of a sudden gravitate to IPAs. They they have great fun buying uh, their local beer still, and um, there's a big pride in that. And you 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 know the. American craft beer scene blew up because there was no local beer anymore. Um, and so you had the room for all these local beers to now come about, uh, which you don't have. In so the there's, there's a lot of tradition, but there's also innovation. I think it also depends on which countries you're talking about. For example, as, as Joel was saying, you know, in Germany and in Lars, there are a lot of beer drinkers there who are still drinking the traditional styles, where in Spain, um, beer usually just meant light lager. Uh, a lot of the, some of the northern, the Nordic countries that was also, you know, because of industrialization and the expensiveness of, of, of some of the raw materials, um, they also, you know, skewed toward uh, light lagers. But then home brewers started brewing uh, as well as people traveling and realizing, wow, there's all these other styles out there. So those tend to be the countries that are a little bit more exper experimenting a bit more, following the U.S. lead, kind of taking, bringing the, the IPAs, the milkshake IPAs, double IPAs. Uh, as opposed to some of the more traditional countries, whether it be in... Well, England is sort of a mixed bag. Um, mm -hmm. I think um, 
you do, Miguel, you traveled there recently, but um, you know that's where you do have your super traditional bitters and pales and cask ales, as well as this new wave of brewers, particularly in London, doing all the, the IPAs and the sours now. Yeah, I noticed, I was just there a few weeks ago in England, as a matter of fact, and it seemed like in the country, it was like the old days where you'd get the bitters and, and things like the traditional things. And in, and in London itself, you have this whole lineup of what's, what were called craft beers, sort of like IPAs like here, but it was completely different in between London and the, and the countryside. Miguel, what was your take? Because I know I see you so much on your Instagram. You know, you're just at Common Roots Brewery. You're, you go to so many of the festivals in the States. Um, what, what were some of the countries that stood out for you and the breweries in Europe? Well, like like all these guys and the lady just said right now, um, pretty much everybody's taking cue on what's happening in, in the United States. Like, there's no doubt. Um like Joel said, in Germany, that was the place that I found the the less uh, people trying to replicate what's happening here. Uh, but there are still places. Like I went to the Czech Republic, and I was hoping. Uh, I went there specifically. I wanted to go to Pilsen, and I wanted to go to Pilsen Urkel. And I visited that place, and I left there, and I went to a small craft brewery there. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have some local, you know, independent... Uh, lagers and the guys take me to the back to their cold room and they ask me you want to taste a beer and I'm like sure and the first thing they give me out of the bright tank is this orange juice looking beer I'm like really <laughs> and and we were there in this you know small city in, in the Czech Republic so even there um, it's still it's still happening and, and the reason when I asked them why are you guys trying to replicate what we're doing in America when you have such a large and old history of making beers and they say well we're kind of tired of drinking that same old beer so we want to try some new stuff and it's the economics of it it's, they say they told me and pretty much this was the whole everybody was saying the thing the same thing is this is what sells right now so i understand the financial aspect everybody's running a business not a charity you have to make money but i think that they're kind of steering away a little bit from their traditions, which I'm not a big fan, particularly. Joel? Yeah, I second that um, when I go to Czech Republic. But this is, I think it's the same as a tourist in general. Nowadays, everywhere you go, there are people from around the world crowding the streets of all the beautiful cities in Europe, and people are worried that the, uh, the uh, character of the place gets lost. I think the beer parallels that a little bit, where you might someday have the same beer everywhere, and I don't think anybody wants that. But I guess the kids are kind of all on the same planet with the with the, the social media and stuff. And I, I just hope everything from uh, traditional Czech Republic and traditional Germany in particular, and England, I should say, those three big ones, I hope they maintain what they have now that they actually fought to keep. And uh, the other countries are a little more of a mixed bag, but they're all every single one is different. So, But those particular three, I hope they do keep their old stuff. And I think it's also coming around where there's a lot of American brewers who are going over and being really surprised to find in Franconia that there are brewers doing lagers, open fermentation with cool ships. You know, they, they never, to them, a cool ship is something that you find in Brussels at Cantillon or one of the Lambic producers and surprised to see that in Germany. Um, same thing with some of the more really esoteric uh, beers in Eastern Europe um, and the styles that are done or you know, the Norwegian kvek that, that they're the yeast that they're using. Um, so I think that that hopefully the, the American brewers will help to drive that and almost re- resurrect these styles and bring them and back to the U.S. and the, kind of <laughs> full circle. The brand again. you have from using the Quack is uh, the Hand Brewery, right? Hand well, Brewery. Hand and also Nugnu does does those as well, the two that we import. 
And Miguel, you know, you know the guys from Hand, right? Yeah, I went to visit it when I was in Norway, and I also visit uh, Nognu. Um, yeah, I love their beers. I love what they're making. Um, they are not, you know, trying to mimic what's happening here. I mean, they're making some beers to kind of keep bringing people in, but they're staying also uh, true to to what's what's uh, regional to them and trying to work with with what they have and you know also keeping their their history you know and Lars yeah. what are we drinking let's we have a lot of beers yeah to we've taste got a today. lot of beers uh, so the, the first one that I opened is a beer from the Zollerhof brewery in Baden-Württemberg south of uh, Stuttgart close to the Black Forest and um, the city of um, Sigmaringen is where Friedrich Müller became a brewmaster, the guy that eventually started the Müller Brewing Company. And, um, you know, the, the, the one beer that we decided to make specifically for the U.S. or the brewer decided to make was a amber lager that he would have brewed in his times in 1870. Is that the old Fred? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, we've had this on the show before, I think. Uh, and there's a little bit of Cascade hops, dry hopped on, on you know, during the brewing process. And... It's not, we're not trying to, you know, this is just a super drinkable beer uh, with, a, with, a, with a fun story, but a, a, a unique story and an authentic story. So we're not making anything up. This is just, it's just what it is. So. You know, w- one great story from you guys, from Shelton. Um, the guys from Czech that you brought over a few years ago, I can't remember who they were. Do you still have any Czech, uh, Czech beers in your portfolio? Well, yeah, we still import Coat, K-O-U-T. Coat. Yeah, it's pronounced. Co- uh, and we, I think we did that show. We actually, one of the guys was speaking in Czech. The other guy was translating. <laughs> it's all he could do, Jimmy. I love that show. We had him speak Czech just because it sounded cool. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he's passed away since then. He was the owner, Mr. Scala. Coat and we called him, Yeah, we called him Mr. S- uh, Mr. Scala because he was too important to have a first name. Just Mr. Scala and Adrian the rep. But yeah, he's passed away. He was the guy that brought the brewery back after it closed and all that. And they're still going strong. We still bring it in quarterly, and it's open fermentation, uh, unpasteurized lager, real Czech lager. So we're we're very much on top of that stuff. So that's great. That where they br- they brought back the tradition. Are they making IPAs? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want VR's take on coat. Oh, it's great. We were there. What was it? Two years ago, Joel, that we visited the brewery. Uh, all the years are blurred to me, VR. <laughs> uh, it is a fantastic space. I mean, there's a lot of it is not. You're not able to use, uh, I believe there's an episode of uh, Anthony Bourdain where he falls through the floor. And uh, there was a very real worry yeah. because most of the brewery is still, uh, still being renovated. Uh, they have fantastic, it's built into a hill as, as many breweries would have been. And they would pour ice down uh, from, the, from the top of the brewery to, to their, their lagering caves. And uh, they said once they got refrigeration back, and I believe it was in the 50s, um, it took something like five years for all of the ice to finally melt. That's how well insulated these old buildings were, you know, like I say, built into the side of a hill. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I remember meeting those guys, and it, it was great. And that's what I love. There's some, some of these breweries are really reviving traditions, and, and others are being really innovative. It seems that so many of you brewers that I've met over the years are guys that back in their country, they're making IPAs, but what, what they're bringing over here are extreme beers or sour beers or really strong beers. We, we, I'm sorry, we don't. I, as a rule, uh, the countries I work with directly don't bring IPAs over at all anymore. It kind of came around that we should stop doing it because it's so particular now about how fresh it is and stuff. And even we just did a festival in Spain. We brought over American beers. 
And, and the brewers didn't want to send them until the very last minute, and some of them didn't make it. <laughs> Everything is sort of crazy with the IPA, so it's not important. Uh, speaking about Czech beer, I was in the Czech Republic also a few months ago, and um, the, the, the beer that we're drinking now is the Friedenfels, a Zeugel. Friedenfels is actually northeast Bavaria, uh, very close to the Czech border, like 20, 20 minutes, not even 15 minutes probably. And Zeugel is uh, a unique beer style to that northeast region of Bavaria where... Zeugel translates to sign. Farmers would used to make uh, used to make the beer, and when when they had beer ready, they would put out the sign, and everybody could come by and pick up the beer, or buy the beer. And then eventually, some breweries started making it a hundred years ago, and it's still that same old yeast strain, creating very fine bubbles and uh, making a very special beer from that region, Germany, Czech. And Br, you, you just poured another beer before that. Oh, yes, that was uh, from Denmark. That was a Tuol, uh, Gosa. And this is sort of indicative of kind of the, the newer waves where um, taking a, a Gosa, traditional German beer, and adding the Nordic twist to it, this is brewed with sea buckthorn and quince. So some nice, you know, tart fruit notes to it added to an already slightly sour beer. I mean, overall, we're going to taste, there's so many beers in front of us. There's so many great breweries, uh, innovative, that, that, that we've had through you guys at Shelton Brothers, traditional from, from Lars and Liquid Projects and um, we're just going to be a great show we're going to take a short break we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio alright here on Beer Sessions Radio we care about what you're drinking and we want to help you out in the kitchen too for real there's one smart kitchen appliance that makes cooking simple, the Joule sous vide. Joule uses precise temperature control to take the guesswork out of cooking. So steak, chicken, seafood, pork, roast, eggs, veggies, all come out exactly the way you like them. Joule comes with hundreds of step-by-step recipes and guides for endless inspiration. Bring out your inner chef without any effort. Joule, perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E and use our code HRN to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code HRN. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we're with our buddy uh, Miguel Rivas, the beer trucker, and uh, some of our favorite uh, European beer importers, and we're talking about the state of European beers. So Joel, you just you you started throwing out some styles. We talked a little about tradition and innovation, but I I, I think of uh, traditional styles uh, when I think of Europe. So you just mentioned one, the Goza. Yeah, well, I mean, the, it's not just a matter of say in Germany and Czech Republic, especially in Germany. It's not a matter of oh they make these uh, Helles or Pilsners, and why don't they do other stuff? But I mean. Fry Guys, for example, we used to bring, we bring it, we have been bringing it for a while, and they bring over these crazy sour beers that used to exist all over Germany. And we were just talking about Goza, which is from Leipzig, more or less. And if you go to Germany, it's funny, they were so regional. Now, if you go there, if you go an hour away from Leipzig, they don't know what it is. But you go anywhere else in the world, the rest of Europe or America, they're crazy about Goza. So it's still kind of funny. I mean, even in Germany, they're rediscovering their, their stuff there. It's just, a, it's just a crazy situation. And, uh, uh, there's more to Europe than people realize, I think, and a lot of Americans haven't been there enough or haven't been there at all, and I think it's a good idea for them to go on our tour, for example. Nice segue, Joel. <laughs> that was subtle. 
<laughs> well, then you kind of have a tour anyways. Every year you guys host the, this, the festival, which is one event that I always want to go to, and I, I will one day. But it was just in Denver. But how do you put that together? Because it's kind of like your top European brewers, some American brewers. With great difficulty. <laughs> uh, well, no, it's a, it's a festival. I think this is, our, I believe, our seventh year. Uh, we move it around the country every year. Don't know where it's going to be next year yet. Uh, hope to announce that by the end of the year. Um, but, yeah, that the idea was to do a beer festival that wasn't so much about uh, quantity as it was quality. And by, for that reason, we, we require that, uh, with, with a few exceptions, that the brewers actually be there so that people can interact with the brewers and ask the brewers questions. Sometimes people brew specific beers for it. Um, other times, you know, they'll send perhaps what we like to do is have maybe one of their their standard beers uh, so that, you know, just sort of the benchmark of what they produce and then something special. And then we also invite some of the local producers and, you know, we don't want to exclude some of the local producers that are doing things. We don't just like jump, jump into town and say like, hey, here we are. So, yeah, it's a nice mix of our domestic friends, uh, domestic breweries we put through our distribution networks as well as some local beers. That's great. Miguel, you've been to the festival, haven't you? I have not. You have uh, not? No. It seems like you, 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 you know every brewery. You know, how, how do you go about meeting all these guys? I mean, your Instagram post is always interesting. You're always traveling to different breweries. Well, it's um, I've been doing this for five years now. I started my project, and it's basically uh, nurturing relationships. You know, people you meet, uh, just staying in touch with them, and because of geographical, you know, lengths that you cannot see them every day. But if you maintain that relationship through whatever emails or a message here and there. Um, you know, you stay connected to them, and then in this social media era, it's it's pretty easy to you know to stay stay in, in contact. And then once you stay in touch with them, then you also get to meet other people and you know other brewers, other people who introduce you to their local breweries, and the network just keeps expanding, which I think it's it, it's phenomenal. What countries did you go to on your trip this summer? So I started my trip in. Uh, Ireland, went to Dublin. I had a layover there for like 15 hours. And also the people from Guinness invited me to go and take pictures. So I started there. And then from there, I went to the Nordic countries, Norway, Denmark, Sweden. Then I left to France, uh, actually London, went to London. Then uh, from there, France, then Belgium, Czech Republic, Germany, and Spain. Oh, and, and the Netherlands. And it ended in Spain. I stayed a few days there, and then um, and then came back to New York. Joel, when when uh, he mentions those countries, do certain brewers pop into your head? <laughs> well, we have a fair number of brewers in our portfolio, so I think depending on the person, I'm glad you laughed brothers, at that. Thank you. <laughs> well, different people will pop into your head depending on what you're thinking of at the moment. But I uh, I work with specific countries personally: Spain, Czech Republic, and Germany, and now Portugal. So some things will pop in my head more quickly than they will from those, you know, from other countries. But sure, every other country that he mentions, I, we have a, we've had relationships with really great brewers for years. So we we think there's great stuff everywhere, and we're just trying to bring that over and, and show it. And it's it's a little bit of an uphill fight these days, but sure, every country is is doing amazing stuff. I would say across the board in Europe. And going back to what I was saying, so Joel, I met Joel a few years ago when you were doing that show here that Sebastian was here with Fry Guys. So that's where I met him, and I stayed in touch with him. So when I was going on this trip, knowing 
all the portfolio and all the people that he knows, I reached out to Joel directly. And I told him that I gave him the list of every place I was going and to see if he could connect me with any people that I should go and visit. And he did. And I went and I visited a lot of those places, especially in Germany, because that's the place I wanted to go. And I... I so um, where did you go besides Fry Guys? Did you go to Bamberg? Well, you know, Fry Guys, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a brewery. He's uh, like a gypsy brewer. But I went to um, Munich and to Bamberg. That was my original where I wanted to go. And it was because I was checking out his social media a few months before. And I saw every place he went when he was in Germany. So I kind of pretty much replicated Hey, hey wait a minute. I don't do social media. What well, somebody was posting you. Somebody was posting you. I was just looking at you. So I was like, all right. The, at all the Shelton, Brothers, that, Shelton Brothers NYC? Someone's taking care of me, obviously. Oh, yeah? You got a great personal assistant somewhere. It's not me. Well, quick, Lars, we just poured us two different beers, so let's make sure we toss the brewery Lars and the beer. Lars is pouring fast and, fast and heavy here. He knows how to get his, get his point across. Yeah, exactly. You, you need a German in the mix to, to keep, <laughs> keep you... Keep you well, there's 1,500 beers that we have to try from yeah. Germany. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, I, I just uh, pulled out the Porterhouse Pale Ale, uh, the Dublin Pale, just because uh, Miguel was mentioning that he, he was in Dublin, and he, and he was nodding and that he apparently was at the brewery as well or at the brew pub. Yeah. Um, those guys are my business partners as well, and uh, they, they are the oldest craft brewery in Ireland. Uh, they're known for their oyster style, they're playing the red, and you know the Dublin Pale is a fairly new item for them, uh, at least as far as us bringing it over. So, very excited. Oh my about God, that. what what was the 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 Porterhouse Brewery like in Dublin? Do they have a tasting room? It's a, it's a brew pub. So brew pub. Um, I I had it on my list of places to go. So after I was done with uh, visiting Guinness, I went and started, you know, walking around and I went to visit them. They're in a very centric location. Uh, it's a brew pub. So you enter and it's, you know, open. It's very big, big space. And they have all the beers. I'm assuming they brew them there. They, they brew some there, um, but they have uh, they had a small brewery outside or in the, on the fringes of Dublin. And they just opened their brand new state of the art brewery, uh, still within city limits of Dublin. Ah, so, okay. um, but the brew pub is active. I don't know exactly which beers they brew there, but more experimental stuff. Right. So yeah, yeah they had all the. I want to jump back to check because I mean this is this is like twenty shows in one. But you know the Coucher guys that you, that you brought, Coat from Czech. Um, wh- what town are they in in Czech? You know, what's the experience like if we go there as a tourist? Joel and well, BR looking. But I want BR to talk on this one. Well, but Joel's our our, our take Czech a shot, BR. Take a shot. <laughs> BR's our, in charge of France and Belgium. I don't know if she can tell me what happens. No, France. In so you guys have different I'm, countries. I mean, I'm France, 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 France and Canada. Canada. Sorry, sorry. France and Canada. Yeah. What's you, the difference, Belgium, France? Pretty much the same. And uh, what countries are you, Joel? I just told you, Jimmy. You had to say it again. Germany, Czech Republic, Portugal. Portugal. Is it's, that all of them? Yeah. I, it's it's difficult to get to to Cote Cote Najumave. You have to take a beautiful ride through the but countryside, which, is, which yes. is not. We stopped several times. We did a road. We were in uh, Prague. Why were we in Prague? Just for the hell of it. For I don't the hell remember. of it. Yeah. Yeah. To drink beer and be a tourist. We drank a lot of beer, and uh, so we took a road trip. Bob, BR's husband, who was a great Shelton Brothers employee as well, and we all took a road trip to Cote uh, Najumave. Is the town. Sorry, it's near the town of Domaslitsa. K-O-U-T. But yeah, it's, it's impossible to spell any of these or, or pronounce them, obviously. But uh, you, you drive through beautiful countryside, and we stop several times just to take pictures and gaze at the, at the landscape. But then you come to this little village in the middle of nowhere, 
I don't even think a, there was a, a street light, a stoplight. There wasn't. I don't even know. Yeah, we didn't stop, and we must have missed a light. But uh, it was a huge factor in the middle of a little village. It's bizarre. It's a completely different place. That's why it's good to go over there to really... But can think, you drink beer at the brewery? Oh, yeah. Just, well, we sure did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was driving, so Bob and BR got all the beer. But... Um, yeah, they give you little samples from the tanks, which is the glorious. And but they're, they're not, just, is there a tasting room? Like a, no, that's no. too. They're well, so informal in Czech Republic. They have an office where you go in. And the first time I went there, we went to, went to meet them because we read about them. We wanted to see if they wanted to send beer over to us. We walk in, and there's a little office with open windows. It was a summer, and flies are all over the place. The brewer, I mean, yeah, the head brewer and the owner were they're in their sixties there at the time, and they were sitting there swatting flies. And there was a painting of the brewery in a tank top hanging over the thing. And both guys were chain smoking. And that was the meeting. It was something like that. So it's another planet and well worth going to the old countries. I think I think people who haven't been over there shouldn't think, oh, American beers. They should go over there and just see the cultures because this is where everything comes from. And it's, I mean, that's them. It's, it's a business. You have the baker, you have the brewer, you have the butcher. Uh, and at Coat, they have a wonderful, it's like a little duck pond. When we were there, there were little ducklings following their mom around. They have a stork who nests atop of one of the disused chimneys. I mean, it's, it's just something that you, because it's been there for so long, they have much more, uh, at, I would say, atmosphere than some, you know, just as opposed to stainless steel tanks and rows and fermenters. And Lars can talk about all the breweries in Germany. They're just so amazing to go see. I mean, it's been there for thousands it of years. It is true. I mean, a, lo- a lot of the new breweries in the States, after a while, you feel like you've been to one, you've been to all of them. Yeah. No, this this is exactly. I I mean, Joel and I we we are we've we've been doing this for so so long. And when I travel around the country and teach people how to sell my product, I wish I could all take them there exactly. and and have exactly. them yeah. you know have these guys have that experience because it's it's so deep. Like the Friedenfelser guys, the owner uh, they they own land, they they own forest, they own all the land that the the raw materials are grown on. They have great pride in that. And you know that, that that just trickles down to the whole society around there. They, the the, the breweries heat heated on, on on wood chips, and the runoff and the runoff heat Opa. from the brewery goes to to heat the kindergarten of the <laughs> town. You know, you can't make that up. But you did just make it up. <laughs> it's true. It's you all. You got to embellish a little bit. <laughs> it's true. It's too good to be true. Apparently, it sounds yeah. like. What What are some great stories you have, Miguel? Oh, what he was just talking about when I was in Germany, I was driving from Munich to Bamberg. And so I left super early because I was going to spend, I wanted to spend the whole day in Bamberg. So I left super early in the morning. And as I'm driving, uh, probably like an hour out of uh, Bamberg, I started seeing all these hop fields on the on the highway, on the Autobahn. Yeah, the Halladau. And exactly. And I started seeing all this. It was a lot. So I was so overwhelmed that I made a decision that I need to stop here. So I took the first exit I found. I got out of it. And then I started driving for like 15 minutes. And I ended up in this little farm. Um, so I parked my car and I see a bunch of people, probably like 15, 20 people. And I park my car, I get out and I go and talk to them. And I ask, does anybody speak English here? And they're like, no. I'm like, all right, this is going to be fun because I don't speak any German. So I started like doing things with my hands, explaining that I was a photographer and I wanted to take pictures. And after like five minutes of me explaining what I wanted to do, this kid raised his hand. He's like, I speak English. I'm like, oh, great. So kind of translate everything I just said. And what I wanted to do was to take some pictures of the hop fields. So I asked him, he translates, and then the big boss says, yeah, that's fine. That was all family. It was like the grandparents, the parents, everybody was just like working on... 
they had a huge mountain of uh, compost and uh, corn. So they were covering with plastic. I asked them what was that, and they said they were trying to uh, uh, make a gas, methane gas or something like that, uh, and then to feed them to their animals. And after I finished, they said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You can go take pictures. And then they asked me, would you mind taking some pictures of us after? Because nobody ever comes here. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so I went so to... So nobody... I, I thought that Bamberg, to me, it's the most famous... Well, he's, out, he's talking on the countryside but outside. But still, yeah. that region, the most famous beer region of, of Germany, to me. Am I wrong? Is it only because I know all your Shelton brother you know, it, it's Mars and uh, so It's disappointing and shocking to me how few Americans go over to this area. Because it really is the cradle of beer civilization in Europe. I mean, the oldest, uh, you know, Weissenohe, I can't pronounce it very well, but one of the brewers we work with, they've been, they've been there since 1050, for example. And there's Weinstefan, which is even older down the road. Yeah. But it's just villages with breweries. They've been doing the same thing for a thousand years. And people don't realize, I mean, they think, oh, we have this craft thing here, which is great, obviously, artisanal. But they've been doing the same thing artisanally for one or two thousand and years. And Lars, when Miguel was talking, you jumped in right away and you said Halatau, as if it was understood that everyone would know that. I mean, I know it, but... Right. If you if you drive between Nuremberg and, and Munich, you drive by it all the time. And the, the Halatau is the one of the most famous uh, hop-growing regions in the world, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm not surprised that you see, visit farmers there that have been doing this for generations, um, and, and that's the the great fabric of this whole beer world within Germany, for sure. Yeah. And in beer, you just poured another beer. We're going to a different yeah, country, I think. We're, we're in Belgium right now, <laughs> drinking this. Uh, this is one of the a very classic style. It's a saison from uh, Blougy. They're located very Blougy. southern part of Belgium, just a couple kilometers from the, the French border. Family-run brewery. Uh, it was operated out, out of their garage. They have just about finished in extension which is maybe twice the size of their garage now um and uh this is just a, an extremely just classic effervescent you heard the pop earlier uh saison they use uh they started with the, the brewery itself actually hasn't been around terribly long but the styles they make are ones that are are very very traditional um and they use a variation on the dupont yeast which um but it's a little bit more earthy a little bit more spicy uh, and it's, it's got wonderful, if you ever get a, a, a Blogie bottle, whether it be La Monuse or um, Saison des Potres or one of the others, it, you will always notice that there is a line of yeast along the entire side of the bottle because they condition it on its side and then it just it never leaves the side. So it's stored upright in the cases. It travels to us upright and it doesn't doesn't go away. And uh, the, the brewery, they'd had some complaints. They said, no, we don't want to change it because that we like the character of the yeast. So if you can't get over the aesthetic of having, uh, you know, some nice yeast tube sitting down on the side of the bottle, then uh, too bad. How, how about, um, I'd like more of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we are live right now on my uh, inter- Instagram feed. So everybody want to say hello? That's awesome. Hey, guys. Hey, here we go. So much, it's multimedia. It's, uh, I'm I'm so confused. I'm old fashioned. <laughs> well, let me let me for real. Let me have more of the the blousey. So it's just blousey saison. This one here, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's another thing that's interesting is that people don't realize there's this amazing beer culture in that whole area, southern Belgium and northern France, for example. That it has been there for a long time. It's like a beer belt. It goes from Czech Republic. I mean, it's where the barley grew and and the hops. And we were talking about hops a minute ago. The hops really originated down there in Bavaria and. The, there's a reason why places were beer countries originally, and I think we have to respect that to this day, that they really know what they're doing. The, the barley is great there, the water is, and the water crosses the border between uh, Germany and Czech Republic, as do the hops, as does the barley. 
And so there's this, there's this, there's something about going to these countries where that stuff really originated, that everyone should really have the experience of it if 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 you can afford it. <laughs> On Shelton Brothers Insider Tours. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to say it. no, but 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 I mean, if you're really interested in beer, you have to really go to these places. Otherwise, you haven't really seen it. Yeah, and that's uh, I I always keep saying that you know breweries in Europe are usually the the older ones are there for a purpose or for a reason. They are there because they had good access to water, uh, good access to raw material, and that just produces the best beer. Uh, a brewery that decides to open up a place in downtown somewhere um, and takes the city water, they they have to add a lot of uh, chemicals to get the water to the right level to to make whatever beer they want to make. So it's it's very hard. We we, we tried a beer just earlier, the Donator from uh, Zollerhof, that that is in the tanks for 50 weeks. Uh, who in the world in this country has the 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 time, patience, and investment to to keep a beer in the tanks? For and it makes weeks? a big difference. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is a great start, guys. I, I want to say one thing. I have to say this. I watch the World Series. I don't watch too much TV. So whenever I see American TV and I see the ads, there's cars, there's insurance. And there's like the mainstream beer. And I was, I couldn't believe the only ad for beer was Budweiser's classic, some new classic copper lager. And the whole story, it, it looked beautiful. It made you think of like some of the beers we're talking about now. Um, anyways, I, <laughs> I, we don't have to talk about that because we don't usually mention it. But this is the real, to me, this is what beer is about. You guys traveling and traditions and, and families and, and, and agriculture. And uh, it's not really about the ads on TV. So no. let's take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Cool. <clears throat> We're not through all the beer yet. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, I'm going to give a plug for myself. Uh, Jimmy, as many of you know, I had some health issues this year. If you can read more about it and spread the word about donating, it's uh, gofundme.com slash Jimmy Wellness Fund. And you can also see it at Jimmy's number43.com. There's a link. Thank you guys for listening, and please spread the word. I'm getting better. Thank you. All right, guys, so uh, Miguel was in Europe, and we've got uh, some of the top European beer importers here. So... We just had uh, we were Belgium, France border, Czech, German border. Where are we going next? That's all the European countries, isn't it? Uh, we're in Italy right now. <laughs> oh. we, we, uh, to me, it's wherever BR works. So with the, into Italy, take yeah. a step back. So BR, you were always for Sheldon Brothers. You were covering France and Belgium and Canada. No, just France and Canada. But no, not <laughs> that Belgium. was my fault, Jimmy. Sorry. But you, you, oh, well, you seem like you know all the beers from well, all the countries. Well, I need to. I mean, that's my job. I mean, I need to know all my all the beers. I also lived in Belgium for for several years when I was growing up, so I kind of have an affinity for a sort of part time home. Yeah, it's kind of like a European almost, I would say. Almost, yeah. I had my first beer. I think it was five in Germany when we lived in Germany, and I uh, in, I, I was so enamored of it that my parents had to buy me a a small Stein uh, so I could drink my milk out of when my dad would have beer. I had I think it was a point two five centiliter. Uh, 0.25 mil, uh, uh, mug for, for my milk. So dad would have beer, I would have milk. 
like that. She was born with a golden stein in her hand. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Getting personal. All right. And what's what's the next beer? <clears throat> so we're, we're drinking a um, Italian beer right now from the uh, Beer Antoniana Brewery, which is northern Italy, close to Venice. And uh, I've been working with them for a year and a half. And uh, we, we're trying a Pilsner. Uh, it's a bit of a hoppy Pilsner from them. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, that region of Europe was Aust- was Austrian Empire yeah. a couple hundred years before. So very rich brewing uh, history. I've got a Vienna Lager from them with me as well. But uh, I felt like, you know, this is, this is an interesting interpretation of a Pilsner. They are much more of a craft brewery. There's a much bigger craft beer scene happening in Italy uh, because they, they were down to a handful of breweries uh, 30 years ago. And, and, and now there's a wave of new breweries, um, and they are among them. So we're very happy to be involved with them. And what, what about the export? So, um, you know, I don't want to say that Europe should be making better beer than America. I mean, you know, how, how does it stand in terms of will we, will we be importing more European beers than we have been? Is the pendulum going to switch back? Like I said, 20, 25 years ago, I mostly drank European beers. I don't think so at this point, at the rate that American breweries are growing, uh, and so many people want to drink local. I mean, local doesn't always mean it's good. I mean, for a while, and I, and I think that Dan Shelton said this to you, Jimmy, at one point, that just because it's Belgian doesn't mean it's good. Because people thought, like, oh, you know, Belgium is the holy grail of, of beers. And there's some pretty crappy Belgian beers out there. Um, I, I think it's pretty volatile. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen. I mean, as, as importers, and Lars will back this up, you have no idea what's happening even next year in America. Because our culture is so, is so fluid. It just goes up and down. I mean, some things that we're selling like crazy all of a sudden drop down, and then they come back and... You don't even know, because cause our, we have such a big market that the Europeans are trying to figure out what to do. To sell, and we just tell them, well, we have no idea. Mm-hmm. We'll just we'll try to guess what to bring over, for example. And we're trying to get to to bring some American beers over there because they're. I was just I was I mentioned I was just in Barcelona this weekend, and they were actually telling me that we'll pay any price to get American IPAs on an airplane over here. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but that. So they'll pay me to stand in line at other half. <laughs> but I mean, I'll get on a plane. Be your side gig. Yeah, you just don't. Do know, but you know, but you don't know. But I think ultimately, I'm a task rabbit. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, you you just want to find good stuff, whatever it is, whether it's old fashioned stuff in Europe or, or old fashioned stuff here or new stuff wherever. It's just, but we have no idea. We're just trying to keep up with it, and it's it's a lot of fun trying to keep up with it. We get to try a lot of things. I mean, Lars himself just bought 500 bottles of beer here today, so we don't. It's just, it's a lot of stuff. We're just starting you know? Miguel's party. Well, Lars, for you, it seems like right now you found a new niche, you know, in Germany with with these smaller yeah. traditional breweries. You know, my my comment to this is um, yes, the, the the U.S. market is becoming more local, ultra local all the time, and it makes it especially hard for the regional craft breweries. The the, the West Coast guys have a harder time here on the East Coast, and vice versa. Uh, for me, what my, my silver lining is that we are an import in every state across the country, right? So whether I'm in New York or in, in, in Southern California or in Nevada, it doesn't really matter. I'm an import there. And uh, if I can sell on, on the quality of my liquid, and if I find a wholesaler that is willing to, to, to co-invest and you know buy into it, then we have a chance. We, we can... Um, we we can outsell the the, the big the, the, the big mass produced beers because of quality. If somebody decides that yeah, I'm going to charge a dollar more for this, 
And because I, you know, I, I have all American craft beer, why should I have a mass-produced European beer? So that's the niche that we're looking for. And, and we're always tweaking it. And as Joel said, I'm, I'm also backing away from bringing over German IPAs. But at the same time, I'm, I'm bullish about a, uh, you know, Berliner Weisse, uh, you know, German sours and that stuff. Although Americans think they invented Berliner Weisse, so it's tricky. <laughs> it's actually harder to bring over the styles originating other places because people think American versions are better. And I'm not going to comment on whether they are or not, but it's just, it, that's, that's the challenge these days. Well, let's mention a couple of your brands. So for Goza, which is another sour style, you have the Rittigutz, which I've always liked a lot. Yeah, and that's that w- it's sort of recognized as the original. Maybe people say Bayerisch or Bonhoff, uh, but anyway, they're both in, in Leipzig. But uh, to be to be honest, that stuff took off when we brought it. We went over there. Dan and I went over there. We we're driving. Here's a little personal story. We we're driving between Berlin and Bamberg, just because we did our family trip, and then and then we we saw the signs, and, and Dan and I said, oh, let's drive over and take a right and go to uh, Leipzig to go to this this um, beer garden. And Tessa didn't want Tessa Dan's wife didn't want to go. She said, I don't want to go, Dan. She goes, we're going, just turn, turn right. And we went there and we tried Ritter Goods Goza and we said, nobody's importing this. And that's how we started. It was literally like that. And then it, it did very well. But then everyone in America started making Goza. So now it's really hard, mm. hard to sell it. Mm-hmm. You know? I bet, yeah. People love it, but it's just like, oh, I have a Goza down the street from Joe's Brew Brewery that just opened up. And that's Are there any other styles that, that you see, Lars, that uh, you think people in this country will want to buy? Um, well, things that come out of Europe um, or, or Germany, especially, I was as I was saying, the the, the Zeugel is very hard to translate. Um, so I think from what I hear from my wholesalers, they're very uh, very much into buying the traditional German lagers. Uh, so as far as volume is concerned, I can sell that much easier. I can sell a Pilsner, I can a dark lager, and uh, even a Hefeweizen. But um, that's that's more towards. They're not asking me necessarily to bring over some fruity this or you know mix that. It's not. It's more traditional. I, I think people are actually are realizing, and brewers in America, to their credit, are realizing. Oh, it's really hard to make real good pilsner, a real good lager in general. For example, and so it's sort of swinging back a little bit. And I think there's going to be an interest. I mean, we've certainly seen some better sales of things like Mars and Kulmbacher and these things, just because. It's really solid lager and hard to replicate it here, I think, for various Lager reasons. Yeah, yeah. It's just hard. It's hard to replicate it. And I think that's an interesting development. And who knows next year? Of course. Yeah. Well, cheers to you guys. Let's make a toast to uh, <laughs> all the European beers. We have we, a, yeah, we need another. Yeah, let's uh, pop them and tell us. Uh, hang on. Beer. If, if, if I'm going, you know, I'm going to throw a dart. And where, 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 would you, where should I hope it lands if I want to go? To Europe. Say next week I got a week off. I want to just have an ultimate beer trip, and I can only go to one region. Well, that's not the ultimate beer trip, Jimmy. Well, for a week. That that (laughs) is tough. No, but we're all going to say a different thing. Uh, That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I mean, where should I go beer? I'm I'm not. Joel is our 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 German uh, manager there, but I I've got to say Germany simply because. Of all, you'll go into a tiny, tiny town, and they'll have three breweries in a town of maybe like two thousand people, a village even. Um, or, or smaller than that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and it's just it's just the atmosphere there. The fact you can sit outside in the beer gardens. Um, you know, I, I, I obviously I love my French breweries. It's not extremely picturesque in that region of north of France because they had two world wars going through, so a lot of stuff has been decimated. It was a mining uh, culture for coal mining, so. 
you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, then again, Belgium, I mean, it also depends on what styles you're looking for. You know, Brussels and the outskirts, uh, you know, outside going out into the, the Belgian countryside is also very cool. Um, then there's also, you know, sitting in an English pub drinking a session ale. I mean, it's it's very hard to say where you should go. I think it depends on what what you kind of have an affinity for it in sounds terms like of you your to, sales. You have to subscribe to the entire Shelton Brothers tour for <laughs> next year, Jimmy. And Joel, or, tell, tell us about those tours, Joel. Uh, oh, Lars can tell us about them. Well, I was going to say, you can come with me in two weeks. I'll be in Germany for a whole week. Uh, I'll be in Frankfurt, Nuremberg, Munich, and whole b- bouncing uh, bouncing around. I'll be at the Braubevenale, which is one of the biggest beer trade shows uh, yeah. in the in the world. And I'll be interestingly, I'll be speaking uh, November twelfth. I'll be speaking at the Export Forum in Germany, um, talking to people about in English wh- or auf Deutsch. I- auf Deutsch, um, uh, whether it's worthwhile for them to come to the US or not. So that's my. Well, it's worthwhile to bother to come here to see if they can send more beer over. Mm. Yeah. I, think, I, I think it's more a, a, a matter of being open-minded. It's not about what place to go, just being open-minded. I'm going to give you a, a specific example that something happened to me in Belgium. So I was there, and I found myself with nothing to do on a Thursday morning. And I have heard of this place or this guy who was making beers in Germany, uh, in Germany and Belgium. And but you know, kind of new guy, and I sent him a message that Thursday morning, like, hey, can I go and visit your brewery? And he replied right away on social media. He said, yeah, I'm gonna be home all day. And I was like, kind of puzzled, like, home, but I want to visit your brewery. He said, no, no, I, I make my beers at home. I'm like, okay. So I drove an hour uh, east of Brussels, and I went to meet this guy. He has he's making beers, ciders, and wine in the backyard of his house. And I was blown away. So my idea was, oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to spend probably an hour, hour and a half taking some pictures. I got there at 11 in the morning. I left at midnight. So I spent pretty much almost 12 hours in his house just talking about everything. Life, beer, family. And his beers are phenomenal. And, you know, that was not something that was on my list of things to do. But it just kind of happened. How did you find this guy? So a few year, a few months before my trip, I saw another brewer in California who was there in June and posted some pictures. And I remember the name of the place and just the pictures look beautiful. So I sent him a message that morning and I said, hey, I just want to go and visit your brewery, thinking it was a brewery. And when I drove there, I just got to like a residential area. The only, the only reason I found it was because I saw a barrel in one of those plastic totes containers outside. And I figure, right, he's like bringing the ward here. And yeah, and I spent the whole day there, saw all that he has. He's planting the grapes to make the wine. He's planting the fruits to use in the beers. He has a cool ship. So he's brewing everything, doing everything in there in the backyard of his house. And it was just one of the highlights of my trip, for sure. I, I think going to Europe in general, and especially in the drinks business, like we're talking, I mean, Things like that happen more frequently because it's more of an old family tradition or a social tradition where it's not as much a business in some sense, if I may say that, that you can end up in these situations that Miguel is describing. That's kind of how we started. You go over there and you just end up, oh, I spent all day with these people. And to me, it's more of a European thing. And and again, I'll say it's it's well worth going over anywhere in Europe to, do, to, to travel and just go to breweries in a different region or several regions. It's just a different experience, and I think people people benefit from going different places, and it improves everybody's life. 
when and, you travel. And they around. also, they, you know, it's not so much of a, a beer culture as it is here, whereas there might not be a tasting room where the tasting room might be open on the weekends. Um, <laughs> Meant about a long time ago, long before I was working with Shelton Brothers, uh, I was just had my little Michael Jackson pocket guide. I was in Paris on vacation and wanted to check out some of the northern French breweries and was calling them all up saying, hi, you know, I'm here from the U.S. I'd like to come visit. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's f- February. Like, it's cold. There's there's nothing to see. I'm like, no, I'd like to come and see the brewery. And like, they just, they don't have, you don't just show up like you would here, say, you know, go to Other Half and buy some cans, um, you know, or Folk's Beer, wherever, go and have a pint. Um, many of these places just don't have that because to them it's just a business. So it is really special. And, and now they're starting to learn like, oh, wow, this is, people are really interested. They want to come see what's going on. And to them, it's, they're almost, they're, so they have much more pride when you come to them and see them and want to visit they're like this is this is very very this is cool that the people want to come and see what we're doing and try our beers um it's it's definitely different than what you'll find and yeah they'll take maybe they'll take you out to lunch like let's all go out to lunch now whether you're in the business or not because they're just happy to see people it's more um, of an organic environment I yeah think. yeah and it's it's, it's it's been there for hundreds or thousands of years and that it's, it's just a different experience and i think it hopefully always will be but as long as it is in my lifetime, then it can change when I'm dead. It's okay. <laughs> and quick, Lars, the last two beers we just tasted. Oh, um, well, we had a quick taste of the Porto's Oyster Stout, um, just to set the mood now for um, the Thomas Hardy uh, barley wine that we, we just reintroduced to the U.S. And this is actually my first taste of the 2017 historical as well that we're just tasting. And there are only 200 cases in the U.S., um, so I, I picked them up from the warehouse this morning, just for you. That's another just classic for, for beer. That's amazing. Yeah. Thomas Hardy from England. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, I have to I have to say something about Thomas Hardy. I I bought a bottle for my brother in about 1993, and I, I intended to keep it in the fridge for 20 years and give it to him for his 50th birthday or something. And eventually, I said, "No, nah, I can't keep doing this." And I tried it, and uh, I never gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Take take this one. <laughs> I'll fight you for that. One, this is a whole other. There's like four more shows with the same crowd, and we're gonna have you guys back. And Miguel, anything else you want to say about your trip to Europe? Uh, I would just say to people to, yeah, like I said before, just you know, be open minded. Don't don't just stay with the with the hype that's created on social media with breweries, because then, or even when you go to festivals, you know, you go to festivals and you see people lining up in always the same breweries, uh, and you're missing out on trying some of the most spectacular beers you will ever have that you have the opportunity at that brewery just because you're chasing the hype. And when, when you were traveling or planning your trip, uh, can you name a couple Instagram sites that you looked at for inspiration? I mean, you said you looked at Joel's. Uh, um, I don't really. You don't? No, um, like I would just follow... Uh, because of the people that I have met in these five years and the network I have created, I just want to go and visit those people. Like, I don't want to, like, go and visit what's the hype brewery happening in anywhere. I just want to go and visit the people that I have met in, in my travels and, you know, wonderful things that happen because of that. And but I should check out at the Beer Tracker. Yeah. Just it, for the hell of it, right? Yeah, that would be... That would be uh, you know, you also on your trip, you're on your big trip in Europe, and then you posted this one post. You said, uh, "Sorry, I haven't posted for two weeks because I'm enjoying myself." Yeah, I made a made a decision right after I got to Denmark that if I was gonna start posting everything that I was doing, I was gonna miss everything that was happening. So I decided not to. I took a lot of pictures, but I was not posting. I was just taking pictures and staying in the moment 
And I think that was the best decision because I was able to enjoy everything that I was doing. And now I'm posting them little by little, later grams, you know. And well, that's cool, later grams. Anything else you guys want to say before we close out? I, mean, I, I love working with you guys. All, all of you have been special to me. You've been on the show a lot. Um, I'm still always open to trying beers from Europe, and I love what you guys I, are doing. I, I want to say, Jimmy, I'm I'm so happy to have you back. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's what cheers I want to get. Cheers to that. Yeah, exactly. I was uh, very well, concerned. Cheers, man. I'm, I'm very happy. <laughs> I'll tell you again, go to gofundme.com slash Jimmy Wellness Fund and you can learn more about crazy spine surgeries and stuff, all right? But guys, this is a great, great show and thanks everybody. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, uh, engineer, Matt Patterson. Uh, We've got some great interns and uh, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for joining us on the Heritage Radio Network and we'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.